Hello, and thank you for joining us. This is Brian, your host of the Parish the Thought Show. The opinions of said host and our guests have not been sanitized or scientifically tested, so please consume at your own risk. Ladies and gentlemen, and whoever else is listening, my next guest is current DACA recipient and all-around good human being, Carlo Barrera. Did I say your name right? Yep, nailed it. I didn't slaughter it too bad. I have very limited Spanish. <laughs> but um, you know, uh, for those who don't know, DACA stands for the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals. It's an immigration policy that was enacted by uh, President Obama in uh, 2012. And it allows undocumented people known as dreamers brought to the United States as children to live and work in the U.S. legally. Carlo is a 27-year-old K through second grade science teacher at the Spire Legacy School in Manhattan. Carlo was born in Querétaro. Did I say that right? Yep. Oh, nice. Another two for two. Doing good with my, uh, my, my limited Spanish. Uh, in Mexico, and his family immigrated to Austin, Texas when he was six years old. Mr. B, as his students call him, majored in economics at Kenyon College and afterwards spent two summers interning for Ernst & Young. In his senior year, Carlo was offered a full-time job from Ernst & Young, but decided to turn it down and pursue his passion for teaching. After graduating, Carlo began teaching in the fall of 2015 at Success Academy in Brooklyn. That spring, he began as an associate science teacher for grades K through four. After one year at Success Academy, he was offered the K through two uh, K through second grade lead science teacher role at Spire Legacy School and is currently in his third year at that school. One of his biggest passions is soccer. Carlo coaches the K through fourth grade after school soccer program and the seventh and eighth grade varsity team in the fall. During his free time, Carlo religiously follows his favorite soccer team, FC Barcelona. Welcome to the program, sir. Thank you so much, Brian. Thank you so much for having me. Really I appreciate need, it. I need to take a nap after reading all that intro. It's <laughs> It's quite a story. <laughs> Thank um, yeah, a lot of lot of moving parts there. That that there is. Well, my my pr purpose for having you on today is, of course, you know the crazy elections are coming up and the whole world is upside down and inside out and backwards and fighting. And you know, one of the issues on people's minds is you know the Dreamers Act. So yes, I just read a definition of what it was that I found online. But maybe you could just give your perspective as someone who this is going to directly affect to my listeners. Totally. Yeah. So again, thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. I think as we've mentioned leading up to this, this podcast and this conversation is this is what I think the world needs more of, just this open dialogue and open conversation. So I think we're taking the right steps forward to kind of unite as a, as a nation a little bit more. But, um, but yeah, so the DREAM Act, I think, was introduced over 10 years ago uh, to the House. And it was basically a pathway for people like me who were brought to the United States as kids, um, obviously, through no fault of their own. Uh, I was six years old when I came here. Obviously, I had no idea what was going on. I just knew we were, you know, I didn't even really know. But I just remember packing up and leaving our childhood home and then kind of ending up in a whole new place with a whole new language, whole new culture. Um, so it allows for people like me to... Uh, have a pathway to citizenship and kind of come out of the shadows and be able to work here legally, travel outside the United States and be able to come back freely. Uh, and that's been kind of uh, at a stall for the past 10, 11 years. Um, it was and actually never passed the House until I want to say 2018, um, either 2018 or 2019. It was finally passed the House of Representatives 
but it uh, was not put up for a vote in the Senate. Um, so that's really what kind of everyone. So there's about 770, a little over 770,000 DACA recipients like me. And that's and then there's millions others that would benefit from the program or fall in the same sort of category as DACA recipients. And all we really want at this point, and we wanted since we got into this country is that pathway to citizenship. And thankfully in 2012, when President Obama uh, signed a, an executive order for DACA, like you said, deferred action for childhood arrivals, that really did bring so many of us quite literally out of the shadows. Like we, I remember that was in 2012. So I was a sophomore in college. Um, I kind of went to college as uh, I kind of fell through a loophole and was able to apply to a great school as an international student. I'd been living in the States since 1999, but um, because I wasn't a US citizen, because I didn't have a social security number or a US passport, I was eligible to apply as an international student and apply for, uh, for a scholarship. So I was able to get a scholarship and go through there, but I kind of went into my collegiate career with an, a really clear end in sight. My end in sight was graduation I was going to either have to go back to Mexico or find a way to work here again in the shadows because I did not have a social security number and was not able to have was not able to work here legally. So that was kind of the harsh reality going into college. But then again, in 2012, my sophomore year, this this program, this executive order by President Obama opened up so many doors. It allowed me to be able to apply to leave the country for the first time since 1999 and study abroad for six months in this beautiful and educated program in Barcelona, Spain for six months. Um, it allowed me to go back and visit my family in Mexico for the first time since uh, I arrived in 1999. It allowed me to start applying for internships and start planning, actually quite literally start planning my future post post-graduation. Because as I mentioned, I think uh, for a lot of us, it was, okay, we get to the, the American dream is, you know, get here, go to a good school, go to a good high school, and then eventually go to a good college, get a good job. But for dreamers like me, we if, if we even had the option to go to college due to our lack of documentation, that was kind of the end goal. You know, that was the only the only thing we could we could aspire. Um, and then finally, this program uh, allowed us to plan out in increments because you have to apply to renew that work permit that you receive if you get approved for DACA every two years. So I've been having to renew it since 2012 and it's a pretty hefty fee. It used to be, we can get into all that, all the semantics later, but yeah, that's kind of a short story long. Um, it's that's, that's kind of my, my path to where, where I am now. So what, you know, after talking with your, your parents, what was the reason they left where you lived? Yeah, it's a great question. So we were so I'm one of six kids, and at the time, um, at the time there was three of us. So it was my older brother who is currently 31, my older sister who is 29. I'm 27 now. Um, so at the time, my actually my they had, had my parents had my older brother in Mexico, and then they moved up to Kansas and had my older sister, uh, and then they moved back down to Mexico and had me. And then they, the plan was to stay in Mexico, but. The area where we lived and and kind of my parents especially my dad always had kind of like quite literally the dream for us so he he had this dream for or he had this goal for us to live out the american dream and to be able to move here again go to college get a job and and succeed in this in this country that you know we all 
as Mexicans and as, as your Southern neighbors, we, we do, we do see the U S as this, you know, as this golden country, as this country where anything is possible. And so my parents really wanted us to have that opportunity to come out here and, and live out that dream. So we came out here with no real plan, really. My parents, I mean, from what I remember very little, but then obviously having these conversations as I grew older with my parents, um, they wanted to come out here and just provide as much as they could for us. I know they, they came here and they struggled. My dad would be working two, three jobs under the table just to get food on the table. And he, I remember him and my mom spending sleepless nights applying to, to, for scholarships to private schools in Austin. And we were able to go to great schools through scholarships. And my dad was very, very, uh, very strict about our grades. He always made sure we were on top of our, our studies to make sure that we had that, that clear path to college, to and through college. Um, so that was the real reason just to come out here and, and as cliche as it sounds to live out the American dream. No, it, it, yeah, it's cliche, but it's true. And obviously those opportunities weren't available where you are from. Exactly. Um, and that, you, you know, you just hearing that little, the bit, a little bit of your story, the, the dedication to doing well and achieving and working hard is I think sometimes, you know, as you know, growing up here and living here my whole life, we totally take it for granted because we have nothing to compare to. Mm -hmm. I think, and yeah, totally. And I think that's something that uh, a lot of the people who might not be the biggest fans of immigration or might not be huge uh, supporters of the dream actor of DACA fail to realize is that we, because I think the stereotype for most immigrants is we come here to steal jobs or we come here to be supported by the, by the government or be supported by taxpayers. But the harsh reality is that we come here and we, we kind of grind sometimes harder, most of the times harder than, than the, the average U.S. citizen. We come here because we, we have to figure out ways to make it work uh, under the table or we have to figure out the most, most immigrants pay taxes and receive no benefits um, because they are working under you know, a false social security number, which obviously is not ideal, but yeah. that's their only way to, to kind of get by in this country. Um, so yeah, I think what I do love about dreamers and doc recipients and most immigrants, and of course there's the bad apples, but I'd say majority of, of immigrants, what I do love is just their, their hustle and their, their work ethic. And, and they do really love, I mean, I love this country. I, I think that's been something really tough to, to grasp and something tough to grapple with during these past four years is that the country that's been my home for the past, tw the past 20 years is, um, is kind of telling, has told me time and time again that, you know, it doesn't want me here. And I know that's not the case for, for, for most people, uh, or most people don't believe that, but that's in, in, you know, the courts, court decisions and, and, uh, the current administration's decisions, that's kind of the message that they're sending to doc recipients like me is that we don't belong here, which we obviously know we do. And this has been, this is our home. This is all we know. And, and we do love this country. All we want is to be, to be accepted and to be treated like the U S citizens that we are, we're U S citizens in every, every sense of the word, except on paper. Uh, so that's, so that's, that's, that's kind of tough, tough to, grapp to grapple, grapple with. with. Yeah. And people, you know, 
again, um, I think uh, my wife has one friend whose family uh, did something similar. And outside of that, and now meeting you, I don't know anyone that's, you know, I grew up in Northern California and I don't know, you know, the, 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 I don't have the personal connection. And I think so many don't, so many that don't agree with it, they hear what the media, what soundbite the media spews out there on both sides. And they will, mm-hmm. the media will attach itself to a sensational story of one bad apple or two bad apples or, you know, the gangs, you know, you hear that all the Absolutely. time in the media. And they won't, either they won't or they haven't, or I haven't heard it, you know, sit down and tell the story that you're telling, you know, the good side, because totally. it's sexy. It's, it's boring. It's, it's yeah. boring for lack of a better term. No, I, I know exactly what you mean. I think that's actually what, and I've had this conversation with many people the last few years uh, during, you know, the last election and during this current administration, I think uh, the Trump administration has has repeatedly attacked DACA and have, has repeatedly tried to end it um, because they believe that uh, the Obama administration uh, um, uh, what didn't, what, because, they, because the Obama administration signed an executive order, they didn't. The Trump administration has been trying to end it because of how the, the because of the genesis of DACA. But anyway, I think the, my point is that the the that the rhetoric against immigrants in general and the constant attacks towards DACA have actually, I think, had the opposite effect that that the administration, the current administration, intended. Because for the longest time, and to your point that you didn't know, you know, you've never really met anyone or sat down with anyone with a similar story as mine or a dreamer or a DACA recipient, I think the chances of you interacting with someone or coming across someone is probably higher than you think. Just it, the only thing that's changed is now we're kind of, at least speaking for myself, now I'm proud of my story. And now I'm proud to advocate for people, for myself and for people like me, I think for the longest time pre, you know, even bef- like before, it was basically up until DACA passed in 2012, my parents would literally sit, sit us down once a year or every couple of years to just remind us that our story was our story. And it was extremely private, extremely confidential, because if that, if those details, if our life story, if our w- reason for being here got out and got into the wrong hands, that could literally impact us and or negatively impact us immediately. And we would either be deported or we had, we literally lived in fear of deportation for from 1999 through 2012, essentially. Um, So we were taught to never, that it was taboo to talk about it. It was taboo to talk about our story, our current, uh, our current status. And when the Trump administration came out to try and end the program in 2016, um, we, that kind of mobilized all of us, at least for me, I, I remember having kind of a come to moment in my apartment in New York city. And just wanting to feeling super powerless and and angry and frustrated when Jeff Sessions went on his uh, went on his press conference and decided or announced that the Trump administration had decided to end DACA, and that's when I decided I was like, okay, people need to hear my story. People need to hear that there are so many of us, seven hundred seventy thousand of us, that are now back in. We're putting quite literally getting cast back into these shadows. And they don't know us personally. They don't know our stories. They don't know that we came here as kids uh, with no fault of our own, wanting to live out the dr- American dream where we've been studying, we've been working. We haven't, you, 
if you commit a crime, you, that, that that just disqualifies you from even receiving DACA or being able to renew your work permit. So when people refer to dreamers or immigrants as criminals, we can show them the facts that DACA recipients literally cannot be, cannot have a felony on their record if they want to be eligible for the for their work permit. So I think it this it is it is great now that more people are taking pride in their story. I'm taking pride in mine. Uh, before I used to be kind of ashamed of it because I didn't see myself as an equal to my, you know, my rich classmates at private school that were paying full tuition and I was on on scholarship uh, and I was undocumented and they were obviously US citizens. But now I remember when I came out with my story and I started, you know, doing media interviews or or talking to publications and my my full story was coming out. I had friends from grade school or middle school, high school, college that reached out to me and and told me they had zero idea that I was undocumented for when they knew me or that I was a dreamer, that I was not a U.S. citizen. So it is, I think now, like you said, and like we, we touched at the beginning of the podcast is these conversations, that's why these conversations are so important because they, they humanize these issues. You know, like you said, the media will grasp something that is sexy or that is, that will get eyeballs and will get clicks. And usually that's for, and that's detrimental to the case of immigrants. Cause it's, you know, those few bad apples that, that people will, will latch onto and, and, and be very passionate about and against but people don't have these conversations like the one we're having now where these issues do become more humanized and have that personal touch and that personal background that that you wouldn't you wouldn't necessarily expect yeah we're all so busy with our lives trying to figure things out and just figure our own crap out that people don't don't have or aren't willing to put in the time to get to know people and talk to people and you know just sit on the porch and chat we're so busy just surviving now, which, you know, I think it's another grand evil design, but, you know, just get everyone so distracted that, that we don't have time to, or at least we're convinced that we don't have time to really get to know issues and know people. And I just voted yesterday and just going through my ballot and all the local things that I wanted to blow my brains out. Oh, I'm sure. One trying to, I was trying to be somewhat educated and do a little bit of research and everywhere you go, it's just another rabbit hole of, of hearsay and, and people's opinions and who knows who, who's telling you what that's true and right. And, and so it's, you know, like I say, almost by design to keep people so distracted that, you know, real things, real conversations, real issues don't get resolved. And I don't know. Yeah. And I think another, another, to your point, it's so many, there's always something like you said, something sexy or something. Yeah, that's my, like my Chihuahua security system going off there. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like you have a strong, strong security system yeah, up there. Very strong security system. <laughs> um, but yeah, no. So I think I think what the issue with the last, you know, three four years is that there is always something more appealing or more clickbaity in the news that real issues don't get discussed and don't get the proper attention that they deserve. So that's something like I totally agree with you that people everyone is so busy they're surviving or being being kind of not brainwashed but being fed something in the news that that might not necessarily have a real impact on the outcome of the election or the outcome of of their community and it's it is sad to see that real issues like this and other there's hundreds of other important issues just as equally as important 
issues that aren't being discussed because people don't have time for them or people don't have the the um the attention span for you know you mentioned you know mentioned brainwashing i don't know if it's brainwashing it's just we're not getting fed enough i guess is the right you were getting little sound bites and little you know little drive through uh, bits of information and you know so we're just getting enough to make us feel it in you know um what's the word involved but not to the point where we you know do anything significant about it but so let's say it, it doesn't you know the the, the, the dreamers act get shot down or or what like worst case scenario what happens for you guys yeah so it's it's unfortunately something that i've had to you know, since honestly since living and that's the problem with with daca uh, daca isn't perfect i think it was an amazing executive order that again brought 770,000 however many of us out of the shadows and gave us a whole new world of opportunities in this country uh but the only our only qualm with the program as dreamers and as doc recipients is that it is a temporary fix it's kind of like a band-aid you know it's it's a it's a work permit once you apply it takes two three months for you for the application to get processed and hopefully approved and once you have that application approved you get a, a work permit it's called an ead uh, employment authorization document which is valid for two years of the day you got approved and then after after two years, you have to pay another, I think it's around $700 now. Well, it used to be $700 to uh, renew it for two years. Now the Trump administration has increased the fee and then decreased the time frame. So it's, I think, over $700 now for now just one year of eligibility. Um, so it is a temporary fix. So it's something that even prior to this election, you know, after, basically before or leading up to every election or every major political shift, we had to, as dreamers, we had to plan for the, the very real possibility of us having to, to leave or, or us not having the, our employment authorization documents renewed. Um, so that is something that we as dreamers, and I, I know I speak for all dreamers when I say this, that we, our only ask, our very simple ask is permanent, permanent legislation of, to a pathway to citizenship. Um, sounds a lot more simple than, than it actually is, I'm sure, but that's that's all we really want. But I mean, worst case, and that being said, worst case scenario, and that's the reason I'm actually, I ended up in Los Angeles because my current work permit expires in April of 2021. So I had been teaching at that school. So I'm actually currently not at the, the Spire Legacy School anymore. I taught there for four and a half years and going into this, uh, the last current school year, last year, I remember having, you know, having this, tough internal conversation that I could very well next April be having to pack up my stuff and leave. And in order to kind of diversify my portfolio, if you will, I had to, uh, I had to kind of come up with a, a, a way that would make me more appealing to companies abroad in case that I had to leave the States and, and get a new job abroad. So I had already had four years, almost five years of teaching experience. So I had that under my belt. And as a teacher, we have the summers off. So I was able to actually intern for an e-commerce site, the one that I'm currently employed by two summers ago. Um, so then I reached out to them when I found out that the DACA program was at, uh, was about to be terminated. And they had a position open up in uh, the brand marketing department. And so they offered me the job in uh, the end of December for me to start uh, the first week of February. 
So that was a, that was one, oh man, that was one of the toughest, toughest decisions I ever had to make because teaching was my passion. I loved every second of it. I miss every second of it. Um, but I had to plan in order. Yeah. Like you said, the worst case scenario, which is the very, not very likely, but it's definitely a likely scenario that Trump is elected and, and his administration is, is in power for another four years. Um, which in that case, and a lot of people fail to realize, because I've had many conversations with friends saying that Trump is Trump doesn't want to negatively affect the, the good immigrants, quote unquote, the good immigrants. He's he's going after the bad guys, but he's proven time and time again that he is will will relentlessly go after the quote unquote good guys like DACA recipients and dreamers. Uh, and it just his his track record shows, you know, since 2016, he ended the Dream Act. Then he got sued by a bunch of courts. Once the Supreme Court ruled in our favor of DACA, uh, his administration didn't uh, didn't fully reinstate DACA, and that's again he's getting sued again by the courts. So it is in in my head if Trump gets reelected, that that means the end of DACA. And I know a lot of people disagree with me, but a lot of people don't have the 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 experience that I have and the haven't had to live under fear of quite literally fear of deportation for the last three and a half years, almost four years of, of the current administration. So worst case scenario, if uh, Trump gets reelected, that just means that my, my the, kind of my American dream has an expiration date of April, 2021. And um, that's a harsh reality because, you know, my, my family's here, my, my best friends are here, my, my girlfriend's here. It's everyone's here. And it's just, I mean, I, I, I go through so many different emotions when I think of that because I feel kind of a sense of betrayal by this country that I've loved and have been a part of for the past 20 years. I feel anger. Huge, huge level. Say that again. And, 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 you know, yes, you've been here and you've loved it, but you also contributed and doing good things and making it better, making it. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I think, right. And I think that's, that's the, that's, that's, I, I think that's where the sense of betrayal comes from because yeah, like so many of us, I mean, I've met some, I mean, I'm, I'm just a, a drop in the hat, I think, or drop in the bucket. I think there are literally hundreds, if not thousands of DACA recipients who are, who are, uh, who are essential workers during this global pandemic, who are doctors, who are uh, uh, immigration, who are immigration lawyers, who are nurses and who literally put their lives on the line during when everyone else had to stay at home during the pandemic. And I, I feel a sense of betrayal knowing that like my, you know, my expiration date is April, 2021. If, if Trump gets reelected, but I can't even, I can't even fathom the feelings of risking your life during this pandemic for the country that you're risking your life for is essentially telling you that they don't care about you. And that if the current administration holds office for the next four years, you're, your future here is, is done. So that's something that we've, that we've had to plan for. And that uh, has been, you know, an inconvenient truth is that, you know, <laughs> there's a good chance that, that I might not be able to be here in, in six months. So that's, again, it goes back to my point that the only thing we want is permanent legislation. That's, that's all we ask for. We think it's a pretty simple ask given that we've been law abiding quote unquote citizens, we've been, we've paid our taxes, we've paid our dues, we've gone to, most of us have gone to college, you have to go uh, to high, you have to graduate high school in order to be eligible for DACA. Um, so something, something I definitely have to plan for. And obviously, a lot of emotions come with that. And um, 
that's why I think this, this election is so important because our lives are, are literally at stake and our futures are in this country. My future in this country is at stake. And I think that's why I've, I have tried to have these tough conversations with friends who, who are voting on several different issues, which I don't blame them there. There's like you said, when you go to the ballot, there's hundreds of issues that you have to keep in mind when you're voting for, for the candidate. But I think hopefully people realize that some, some of these issues are, have a literal effect and, and will impact the lives, will imminently impact the lives of, of people like me uh, if, you know, if the results go one way. So it's, it's tough, to, tough to think about, but I think I have also realized that it's not really, and it's tough to come to the realization, but it, it's, it's not really worth thinking about until the outcome is there. I've had, I've, I remember in, after the 2016 election when I thought DACA was going to get ended immediately. Thankfully, it got held up in the courts, but I was already planning to move to the UK and work. I was already applying for jobs there. I was applying for jobs in Spain. Um, and so all of that stress and, and uh, all that hard work kind of was to no avail because you know I was able to stay here. And again, if I had the choice, if we all had the choice, if all millions of us dreamers had the choice, there, we, there would be no there'd be no second thought of staying in this country. That's our home. You know, we, we don't want to leave. We don't want to go back to, I don't, I love Mexico. It's, I will always visit, but I, I don't want to go back and, and, and live in Mexico full time. I, I, this is my home now. The U S is my home. And um, this is, this is where I know I belong here. And that's why if, if I have the opportunity to get my U S citizenship, I would do it in the blink of an eye. You know, that's what's it's kind of so ironic about this story is here, one aspect of the country is threatening your existence. And the other aspect of the country is causing people to risk their lives to be here and, and go through so much effort to be. I can't, I mean, I moved for three or four states away and that was difficult, but to come across an international border, not speaking the native language, I can't even imagine the dedication that it must take. And the less than favorable circumstances that people are leaving. Do you know of, I mean, you know, you always hear about the deportation thing. And I, when I, when I hear, well, you know, a million people are going to de be deported, my literal mind goes, well, how is that logistically even possible? Is that something, I mean, do you know people that that has happened to? And it, if it does, are they just like rounded up like you hear in the media or are they just given an ultimatum if you have X amount of days to leave? I think uh, to be, yeah, to be perfectly honest, I'm not very well versed on that just because luckily uh, I've, my family and I avoided that for, for so many years. And thankfully we've never had that issue come up within our family or our close friends. But from what my understanding is basically, and I remember my dad telling us this when growing up, he said, you know, if you, if you like, he always, I remember every time he would drop us off at a friend's house or when we went off to college, he said, like, basically just said, don't do anything stupid because you could get deported. So I think from my understanding is, That's let's pretty say you counsel. Yeah. Right. Don't do anything stupid <laughs> because like when I grew up, it says, don't do anything stupid or you'll, you'll have to deal with your father when you get home. Exactly. It was a little different. It was a little, a little different. A little higher stakes there. <laughs> yeah. So uh, thankfully I never did anything too stupid. So I'm, I'm still here. I, I, Needed to my dad's advice, but um, but I think from from my understanding is, let's say you know you had as as an undocumented immigrant or as a dreamer, 
you have a DUI. And so I think if what 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 happened, I believe, is if you get pulled over and you obviously get arrested, then you have a court case. And then once you have your court case, they realize that you kind of broke that agreement when you when you are eligible for DACA, which is not to commit any felony or significant misdemeanor. Um, and then then after that, you I believe you would lose your work permit. And then they they don't literally deport you, but they give you kind of yeah, exactly. You have X many days to to leave the country. And then if they see that you haven't left the country yet, then they that's when kind of you hear those horror stories of people getting, you know, knocked on their house by ICE and and then they get they get uh, to the immigration detention centers and then they literally, I think, get get put in a bus or a plane and and, and shipped back, uh, for lack of better words, to their their country of origin. Just a kind of a random city or do they they go, I think I'm, I'm assuming you have some sort of say of either, you know, in your, Me- in your Mexican passport or whatever passport that, that you hold, whatever state or, or city that you, that you came from, I think that's where they, they send you back to. Or sometimes, I mean, to be honest, though, I have heard of, especially around, you know, in Texas, excuse me, or the Southern California border, sometimes they just, like you said, round people up in buses, take them down and then just drop them off in the nearest uh the nearest border town mexican border town that's like something from a movie for most of us yeah yeah exactly i can't imagine living with that concern fear whatever you want to call it all the time yeah yeah i know it was it was definitely tough and i think that's something that people can't really grasp their head their their minds around it's i yeah can you imagine having you know and since I was, I came here when I was six. Obviously I didn't really know until around middle school, what my status was or what my situation was. Um, but since let's say eighth grade, I, from eighth grade up until really now, it's like, you do have that in the back of your head and it's, it does become exhausting. It's, it's especially when you are following the rules and playing by the rules and, and so many people like me, not to, not to pat myself on the back, but so many people like me have, we have played by the rules. We have done good for society. I, I taught and it was the best five years of my life teaching the American youth. And, and one thing that always kind of just, you, you know, was mind boggling to me is that these kids who really truly loved me, I loved them. They had until I had, I remember before I left, the, I, I decided to be very vocal about my story and, and share it with my, with my students. But for three for three four of the five years they had no idea that that their teacher mr b was undocumented and that his future was uh at risk in this country so i think that really affected them and the parents i mean i got some emails and and had some one-on-one conversations with parents some of the most beautiful (laughs) things i've ever heard about me and some of the most beautiful things that that uh yeah, that just that some of the stories they've they've told me about about their kids. I remember when I when I announced that I was had to leave Spire to come to LA to pursue a new career in order to uh, to prepare for the potential outcome of this election. I remember I had some parents come up to me and tell me that their kids would come home came home crying, uh, like that they they started writing a letter to the the Trump administration, and there I have some pictures of of two of my, my favorite, uh, a kindergartner and a second grade sister, two sisters that wrote, um, that wrote letter to their local Congress, uh, woman, uh, saying that they want her to, to vote in favor of the dream app because their, their favorite teacher had to leave the, 
leave their school. Um, so these stories, and again, like you said, they, they do humanize these issues. Um, but it's something that, that we've had to, as dreamers have had to live with in the back of our, our minds for X many years while kind of hiding it, you know, like for the longest time we had to, we had to think about these repercussions and, and, and the potential, uh, scenarios of us having to leave the country without showing it and without having other people in our lives know about it. Because again, it was so taboo and it was so dangerous that that information could get out. And, um, so yeah, it was, it was tough because you had to balance between like dealing and internalizing such a tough reality without really showing it, without having many people to talk about it besides to talk about it to besides your family. Which is, that's ridiculously hard to hide that. Yeah, absolutely. What haven't I asked you that you want people to know? Um, let me see. Yeah, I think it's, I, I think we covered most of it. I think it is just, and we've talked about it so many times on already in, in, in these 45 minutes, but I think the, I think it is important, even if we don't see eye to eye politically on every issue on, on even just the four candidates that are the, the, yeah, the four candidates that are up for presidential and vice presidential election. I think I, I would, I would urge and I would really um, beg people to think of the people's think of the people whose lives are going to be directly and quickly impacted by, by the outcome of this election. I think uh, a lot of people, you know, vote for one candidate because of fiscal reasons or another candidate because of religious reasons. But I think at the end of the day, I think I want at least what I, the conversations, the conversations that I have with my friends is just kind of vote and do the right thing and do what's going to do the humane thing I would I would urge people because I think a lot of America can can kind of at least from my perspective is can kind of swallow four years of maybe not their favorite fiscal policy or maybe not their favorite uh I don't know like yeah I know where you're going yeah so I, I think <laughs> it is I, 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 exactly exactly so I think I, I would just really plead people to vote with their hearts and to, to, to keep in mind stories like mine. And I'm one of millions of people who, whose futures will, will directly be, be impacted by, by the outcome of this election. Um, and it's, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, and, and, and I think another, another thing I would say is even, you know, even as go, go down as basic as just vote because, millions of people like me we can't vote we've been here for i've been here for 20 years and it's so frustrating that i can't get out and vote and i can't use my voice or I, or my voice does i can use my voice but my my vote i mean my I, it won't count you know it won't be another tally um so even if, if you haven't voted or if you don't think your vote matters i would definitely urge you to vote even if it's just you know as a as a way of of supporting people like me who who can't, who don't have that, that official ballot, um, an opportunity to vote. I, I, as you were saying that, I said, I, I think your voice matters more than your vote, honestly. Um, I appreciate that, Brian. And, and I, because you know, it, it is like one vote, is one vote going to matter? No, it's not. Mm -hmm. It's the principle behind it. Because um, mm -hmm. no elections have ever been decided by one vote. 
right. to my knowledge. If the Democratic Party wins, is there a policy that this is this will no longer be an issue for any of the DACA recipients? It will just be you're in, that's it. Or are are we are you still going to be subject to Senate, Congress, and all these other, you know, mindless, I don't say mindless, but these bureaucrats that, in my opinion, are in it for their own gain, generally speaking. No, I, so there's some that are good. No, I, I agree with you 100%. <laughs> I have zero faith in, well, maybe 3%, 3% faith in what these clowns can do or will do. Because it's a disease. No, I agree. And I, government is a yeah, disease, and I, and I don't trust it. Yeah, that's, that's I totally agree. Issue in another topic for another show, but but is that yeah, so it, understanding? It, it, is it, if the you know the left gets in, is it going to be all you know roses and? So know, it's it's a a few a few different a few different scenarios. So let's say Biden Harris win. Um, Biden has has made it very clear that his intentions are that on you know the first however many days of his administration, he would First completely days. restore, yeah, completely restore the, uh, completely restore DACA and then present a bill to the house for either the Dream Act or there's uh, the Dream and Promise Act. I think it's kind of a different version of the the initial Dream Act that was introduced um, about a decade ago. So thankfully, so that is why I think this election is so important because if, if Biden-Harris win, we kind of, again, not ideal, but we do have dreamers like me have that peace of mind that we'll be able to renew our work permits and we'll be here. We had kind of buy ourselves another year or two years. Um, but then I think it really does come down to the Senate. And if the Senate gets uh, gets flipped uh, to the Democrats, um, then then we have a, uh, then our chances of passing permanent legislation towards a pathway to citizenship is a more real outcome because like I mentioned at the beginning of the show, um, the Dream Act that had been on the on the House floor for a deck over a decade finally got passed, but it it was it had no real significance. It was a huge deal because it again it had taken 10 years to it was 10 years of just getting shut down in the house. And then finally when it passed the house, it, it really meant absolutely nothing because it was Mitch McConnell was not gonna let it get a vote on the Senate floor. Um, so if Biden Harris win so many different scenarios, but let's say Biden Harris win and the, and the Senate remains, remains Republican, then there's not going to be any real progress in permanent legislation. If the Senate gets flipped, then, um, then we have a much, much better chance of, of finally getting the dream and dream and promise act passed. So a lot of different scenarios, I think just the reason that so many dreamers and so many DACA recipients are very vocal about their support for Biden and Harris is because they've made it very clear that uh, they want to, they want to kind of give dreamers and DACA recipients peace of mind and, and, and eventually to their power, provide a pathway to citizenship, a pathway to citizenship for, for all of us. Um, and again, I've had so many different conversations and which have turned into arguments with friends but the 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 notion that the Trump administration is only going after the bad guys is 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 completely false because even during his campaign leading up to the 2016 election he he mentioned many times that he was going to end 
the end the DACA program because the way Obama, because to his knowledge, the way Obama instituted it was unconstitutional. Um, and then once he got placed in office and he tried to end it, he has been promising for the past four years that he's going to, there's going to be permanent legislation or he's going to introduce a bill, uh, which has not been introduced. Uh, and then he got interviewed, I think last week, Trump did, and he mentioned again, the dreamers. Um, and he says there's that we're going to be very happy with, with a, a bill that he has in has in mind. But again, we've heard that the last four years and, and it's all been, it's been all talk. Um, so yeah, I think the ideal situation for DACA recipients and dreamers like me would be a Biden-Harris win with the Senate being flipped. Because then that means finally after over a decade of back and forth, we would hopefully have a real pathway to citizenship. Yeah, I think I heard that recent interview as well. Where he said, mm-hmm. you know, he, and so, you know, when you, when you see that, when people see that, again, it's just a 20 second soundbite. You think oh, exactly. Trump's not so. It's not. He's not the devil like people are saying he is. He's you know he's trying. He's at least saying it. But again, it's words and it's on both sides. It's words. Exactly. You know. And yeah, and I think and, and again, not and I think power. Right, and so many people like you're one of you're such a minority right now for for people that ha- heard that yet want to kind of investigate that and, and get to the the root the root meaning behind it and like if or even if those those words do have meaning and you're not hearing it from most people aren't hearing it from people like dreamers like me who have been following it so closely for the last four years and know that those words are just are those words are an empty promise you know and and any you know any person who's i think that was on during his town hall on fox news so any like any random fox news watcher is going to say like you just exactly like you said oh you know he he's not a bad guy he does want to help these dreamers out who are good people like i'm gonna vote for him but they don't realize that he's made that promise the last four years to to absolutely no avail and um so yeah it just, I just placates the audience you know i think i, I think the one i saw yep. was on nbc or something but very okay. similar thing yeah it doesn't really yeah. matter again i don't trust either side on that totally in terms of media but so where i mean in order i know we only have a few days before the dreaded election is there some place people can go to learn more other than just doing random google searches which you know who knows how those how valid those are anymore with all the turmoil about censorship and everything that's going on with searches and things like that with these uh, these big tech companies but where can people find more about this or connect with you or hear all these stories and you know I assume there's other people like you that are being more vocal about it. Absolutely. Um, it's not, you know, I don't have a massive audience. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think, um, I mean, I'm trying, there's uh, informed immigrant dot. Uh, I think it's either.com or.org is a great resource, at least for, for, for people like me, that's where, you know, we know they keep us up to date with the most, most recent uh, administration policies on immigration and, and stuff like that. I think even just, there's a, a great nonprofit that I've, that has been incredible in helping advocate for, for people like me and has, has amplified my voice. And that's the, the nonprofit that kind of started my whole, um, my whole journey into just, you know, vocalizing my story and, and getting it out to different outlets, media outlets. And that's forward fwd.us. Um, that's just a great resource um, for, 
for all anything immigration. And it just does a great job breaking down policy and, and, and uh, different outcomes. Um, people can most certainly reach. I would love to people do. I, I'm such a, I, I love that you're such an, uh, a fan and advocate for this, these open dialogues. Um, I, cause I could not agree more that this is, this is what the country needs this is what we need prior and even post-election. Exactly. Um, so I feel people can certainly feel free to reach out to me. My, my email is my last name, ce93 at gmail.com. Shoot me an email. I would love to hop on a call, hop on a zoom, whatever, whatever you need from me, just to, even if you don't agree with me, just to have that conversation, I, I would love to, to give you more, more insight into, into my life and my story. Um, but yeah, I think that's, those are, and like, like you said, even just Googling and just, I think, be careful with, with what, what you're clicking. Cause I think, like you said, so many, so many of these media outlets are just wanting, wanting eyeballs and wanting sensational headlines. Yeah. So just, just Google. And, and I think even reading, reading some of the stories of these, of these dreamers, there's so many, even if you want to go as recent as, as the, the global or the, the countrywide shutdown with, with the pandemic, there was so many beautiful stories about dreamers and doc recipients who were, doctors and nurses and and just act quite literally putting their life on the line yeah uh, it's, it's easy is, to think pretty beautiful that you know these are you, you don't often hear about you know a physician or a nurse you know that's a doctor recipient you people oh they're underground well they're doing the, you know the, the stereotypical laboring type job yeah, exactly and arms and construction and you know blah 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 you hear the whole thing mm-hmm. oh and actually it's funny you say that because i think prior to DACA, that's, that was our only, that's what we, what we had to resort to, you know, even if there were so many college graduates or people who were top of their class. I mean, I remember reading someone who I think graduated top of their class in at one of the Ivies uh, and had to go work like at a, at a strawberry farm because they didn't have the social security number that DACA provided us. So DACA quite literally, again, brought us out of these shadows and gave us this, just was ex- extremely uh, just gave us a sense of empowerment that that we could really do anything and that that I remember when I got my social security card it was like getting you know a license to do whatever I wanted in this country and to to kind of just as cliche as it sounds like just spread my wings and just do do whatever like I wouldn't be I would, wouldn't have had my dream job of teaching if it wouldn't if it wasn't for DACA I wouldn't have met some of my best friends if it hadn't been for DACA I wouldn't have come here and met my my current girlfriend if if it wasn't for daca so everything happens for a reason and i think daca was such an incredible uh door opening experience for for us that that has been like quite literally life-changing um but yeah awesome um i man i really appreciate your you coming on and sharing this um i'm glad i got to meet you in just such a short notice, um, you know, just a you know month or so ago or less. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, I really appreciate it, Brian. It's we can talk, we can disagree, we can, you know, we just just talking to people. You know, it doesn't. You know, years ago, I had a one of my family members who who was a huge Obama supporter and. And after he won, she was just raving and ranting about him. And, and then she actually apologized to me 
because she's she knew I grew up in a conservative background, a conservative home, conservative county, blah blah. Mm-hmm. And she was almost apologizing for her excitement, and I said, "You don't have to apologize if you like this guy. Then you should be able to shout from the rooftops why you like him." And I don't mm-hmm. care. I still, you're still my family member. I still love you. It, you know, I'm always curious to know why you like what you like, and you know, I like people to be able to articulate and back up why they have certain positions mm-hmm. but i i didn't think any less of her and it's like we, we don't there's a thing that if you disagree that you have to you know kick them off your team or you know, dismiss them or put them in another category and it's such a dehumanizing method of communication it's so contrary to how we I think we really should be you know just being kind to one another and i know i toot that horn all the time uh, I sound like a broken record in terms of, you know, just be nice to each other. Just love your neighbor. At least, no, absolutely. Just try to understand your neighbor. You don't have to fix yep. it. Mm-hmm. Just try. Exactly. Just try. And I think, I think we've, we've kind of come so far from that, that simple, simple task and simple, simple message in these past however many years, just because people are so alienating and, and people don't have these conversations, even with friends, you know, I think it's, it's so important and I can't emphasize enough how, how impactful these conversations are, even with strangers. Um, Cause it just, it does, even if, like you said, even if at the end of the day we disagree, we do come, we do come together in a civilized manner with these conversations. So that's that in and of itself is, is such a huge step uh, compared to what, where, where we've, where we've, what we've done the last four years. Well, recently, just one little more example here is uh, I'm a recovering graphic designer. So I, uh, I made two logos with both Biden and Trump's branding. And I mm-hmm. called one Bidump and then one was Truden. And it, but it <laughs> exactly like their brands. So I put uh-huh. them out and I said, hey, you know, for those of you on the fence, you know, come pick this guy. And it was obviously just a big joke because it was after yeah. the first debate, which was a train wreck. Yes. And I had one of my my uh left-leaning friends came on and he, he was just like it's biden it has to be biden and then i had a ton of my conservative friends just dogpile on this guy and everyone was acting like children and fools I'm like this is kind of a joke you know people see the sense of humor in this you have to but they right. were so polarized and vicious to each other it was just it was mind-blowing to me because you know, then at the end of the day that's just further alienating both parties you know or both yeah, sides didn't do anything. it's, it's doing like, oh, it's doing nothing but harm wave my flag higher and taller okay, yeah great wave your flag but it's uh yeah anyway go on and on and on beating a dead horse here but so thank you again man i appreciate this um i will put uh some of these websites and your contact info in the show notes when i when i release this which should be amazing. So thank you so much for, for spending the time with me this morning and uh, we will, let's do this again. Absolutely. Brian. I really, I would love to, and I really do again, appreciate you taking the time and, and putting in the effort to, to become educated on something that a lot of people don't, don't necessarily know a lot about really do really does mean a lot. Don't call me crazy. Just want to understand, <laughs> you know, awesome, Brian. Okay.
Thank you again for listening to the Parish the Thought Show. We would love your comments and feedback on our website at briankeithparish.com feedback. If you love or hate what you hear, please give us a rating on whatever platform you find us.